This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. The country more than ever needs the stories of our veterans and military family members. They need them because we don't, because that shows what right looks like. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening and watching. And please go hit that like and subscribe button wherever you get your show. So today we are very excited uh, to introduce our guest to you today. But before that, let's kick it off with our Patreon question of the day, which is, what is the most recent thing that's happened to you that made you say, man, I'm getting old? Hmm. Mine was yesterday, Marcus and I did Pilates. Uh, on- I don't have to tell the world that I do that. But the best part about it is you're better at it than I am. No, I'm not. <laughs> so mine was definitely looking over and seeing how flexible Marcus is and strong and how the instructor was complimenting him the whole time. And I was really suffering through it. I, I guess you can't, you're not in, in this question. Are you higher? Hey, I, I've got something that. All right. Let me, yeah, what does it feel like? Yeah. Give me one of yours. Five year old. Um, whenever people don't ID me anymore, mm. I, that's, that's what gets me. Oh, well, get over it. That's a sad story. <laughs> what about you, Scotty? What do you got? You know, I, I would say it's a toss up between going to the optometrist yesterday and like him just walking in and kind of just staring at me before he says anything. And then and then uh, having a conversation with my three boys about Star Wars and them just decimating the first three Star Wars movies as like a total joke in terms of like the, the you know, the actual uh, graphics and the special effects. And like, they literally are just sitting there laughing. And I'm like, really? Because I thought that I, I had that same conversation a few weeks back with somebody and I thought they were spectacular. I thought I'd, same. And and that's why I guess I'm, I'm getting old. But we're, we're out of date, aren't we? I tell you what, man, I was leaning over the other day to get some water out of my ear and I was looking in the mirror and I had this slack in my face. <laughs> it was kind of 
kind of leaning down that I never noticed before, and I stood back up and it went away. And then I leaned back over again. I got this slack in my cheek. And the first thing I was like, needed some damn sugar water or something like from freaking Men in Black. You know what I'm talking about? I I had never seen that before. And uh, that was that was new to me. There's there's been yeah. a few that come come with the age, and they they, yeah. they creep they creep up on you, man. Yeah. I think that, that one's contagious because I got that one too. You got that? So normally yeah. I scope the beard. And that's the best part about being a guy. You got a good one too, man. So like we get those Thank on you. board. They hide. Hey, you're welcome. They can, they can and make us look mean, you know. So the little kids, yeah, don't or anything like that. But my wife yeah. shaved now. But yeah, that was mine. I had the black. <laughs> you look so mean with the beard. I know. That's that's why you wanted me to have it. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Thanks again for doing this, brother. For coming out here. Every time we yeah. get one of our own on here, our I'm actually the bastard son of the Green Berets. I got an actual Green Beret on here today, man. People just, they they eat that stuff up. I mean, our, our generation and what we went through and how we integrated and fought in the, both wars and, and everywhere else, that's a lot of things people don't know. They only yeah. know about the wars. They don't know about all that other stuff we had to get into. But, yeah, man. Yeah, Mar Marcus was 18 Delta, so he was with y'all uh, training for that. We'll talk a little bit about that, man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, thanks absolutely. again. Absolutely. Scott, man, for coming in here and uh, doing this. Let's get started with this, brother. Uh, yeah. First backstory. Where'd you come from? Yeah. So, well, I, I grew up in a little little town in Arkansas, uh, a little logging town. And um, I got people you know, in there, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that state, man. I think it's just some of the coolest people on the planet. And I, I'm very proud of that little town of Mount Ida where I grew up. But um, I, I met a Green Beret when I was 14 years old. His name was Mark, and he was home on leave. And I, I, you know, I sat down with this guy at our soda shop, and and he was telling me all about Special Forces and what they did. And I was just hooked at 14, and I knew right then. Um, and it was mainly like just how this guy carried himself and how he operated and the way he talked to me like I was an adult. He talked to me as if I were going to selection tomorrow, and I'd never had anybody talk. I mean, it's a runt. I I'm remember so that's a real thing. That that happens the way they, they get you, especially absolutely. at 14. Absolutely. To the point that today, Marcus, if, if a young person comes up to me and says, can you tell me, do you have any advice on, you know, should I, should I, who, what I might do to go into the SEALs or be a PJ or an SF guy, you know, like I, I stopped everything yeah. and talked to them because, because it had such a profound impact on my life. But Anyway, this dude, um, he just sold me on special forces at 14 and I just obsessed about it until I could, I, until I was able to go in and try out. And, um, I spent the first, uh, got in in 96, I spent the first half of my career working in central and South America during the nineties in the, you know, the drugs. I was going to say, man, this, this is back set. in the 1900s. So <laughs> yeah. what got, what, what, I know he's the guy that pinched you, man, but we didn't have all the, we had a few, we guys had Rambo. First of all, and Commando. Rambo. Yeah, man. Rambo. Oh, yeah, some good ones, man. There, for sure. And don't forget, there was um, a couple of, there was Ballad of the Green Berets. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, you're going old school. That's right. Well, man. you know, that thing was still around. My one. dad, my dad played that song all the time. And then there was also, I don't know if you ever saw it. There's a really cool National Geographic. Uh, my dad had like all these old National Geographics. And the one from 1965, man, when these old school A-teams uh, had overthrown a, a Montagnard uprising. And yeah the team leader had actually as a way to prevent the uprising had gone out and taken the, the, the Vietnamese special forces dude and the Montagnard dude, they'd put on loincloths, drank rice wine and did a friendship ceremony to, to put down the, the riot. And I was like, wow, that, 
has to be the coolest thing I've ever seen. And, and yeah. just the, that approach, that indigenous approach to me was really what pinned me to the map, man. That's awesome. I remember that grabbing me too. I mm-hmm. asking about tra- what even the job really I was like, Hey man, how do you become one of those? You're just kind of telling me about the kick in the pants. It was to, to do it. And that actually, that captured me. I was like, I thought, I thought yeah. that was the coolest thing ever. What, what drew you in? Man, I, uh, Navy SEALs got uh, the movie. Yeah. Charlie Sheen, he got yeah. me. Yeah, they did a good job with that movie. Did a good job, yeah. They did a I good thought job. so. Absolutely. And then um, the documentary, The Silent Option, we had. Right. The first scene is them coming around that helicopter. And that dude's voice. Yeah. That frontline narrator. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That guy's yeah. voice, when he starts narrating that, and there's that one scene where that seal is talking about the M60. He's like, in the movies, you see it fired from the hip. That's actually not right. This accurate, this weapon can be accurately deployed from the shoulder and fire rounds into the thousands while the enemy keeps dying. You know, it just kept going on about it. And I was like, that's that's exactly what I need to do. What about your brother? Same. He's the one. He really? saw it first. Okay. It's his idea. Yeah. He's like, hey, you got to see this, man. And I was like, okay, let me see it, man. And he's like, this is what we're doing. He got so fired up about it. You know how it is. Once yeah, man. One thing grabs you, and then you keep going in. You're like, "What else yep. you got?" Yeah, my little brother followed me in. It's so funny how that works. So when that happened with Marcus and Morgan at 14, they immediately started training physically. Did you do that too? Same, same thing. And, and you know what was funny was I was so scrawny, and and I mean an ultimate runt. And yeah, right. you know what my my nickname in my town was Rambo because it was such the opposite. Uh, but I was carrying a rucksack around town in that little town of 1,000. I was yeah, carrying everyone a knows rucksack you were doing it. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, they'd honk your horns. I mean, sure. it was a, it was kind of a joke, really. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was training. I was training hard uh, by the time I was 16, 17 years old, and and fully obsessed with it. So when you graduated, did you sign immediately sign up? No, I went into. I wanted to be a team leader because that's what Mark was. And I wanted to, and he told me, he said, you know, if, if you can, you know, if the you know, SF needs good officers that take care of their guys. And, uh, I wanted to be a team leader. So I went ROTC at central Arkansas did, um, like five years in the one ninety third down in Panama and then went and tried out. And so I had to wait, you know, five years or so because they weren't letting y'all in right out of them. You couldn't go into SF uh, as a brand no. new person in the army. No, they, they had, they called, had uh, yeah. SF babies. Now they, they, I came well, they online had, while I was in there. Right. They had the SF baby program. I think it came on after I got in. Um, and you know, a lot of, and then they had it again also in the eighties, they did the SF baby program. So like a lot of my team sergeants and senior non-coms were actually SF babies from the eighties. Yeah. I remember when I was going through the program, they were so pissed off. Like who are these SF babies? They get all this damn money to come in. We didn't get any money. I mean, I know. you know how the guys are, right? Yeah. They thought that yeah. they had been in there for 20 freaking years already. And they, we'd only been in three. Yeah. And they were upset about some <laughs> stuff, right? Things are changing and we're still in the pipeline. It's funny. I I, I had so much fun with the Green Rays, man. I almost didn't make it out of there. So what year was that that you got in? I, I went to selection in 95 and I and I graduated the Q course in 96. And like just days after um the Q course graduation, I was down in uh there was a border skirmish between Peru and Ecuador that no one ever heard about. Right. And uh I ended up being in a like a, a border safe house uh on the down in Peru and Ecuador, um basically being an observer to try to keep those guys from 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 slugging it out, speaking Spanish nonstop. 
And my Spanish was like a one-one rating. I could basically order a taco and go to the bathroom. Yeah, bathroom. The bathroom. <laughs> yeah, was, exactly. Yeah. And here I was living in this outpost with you know fifty soldados and and and, and two commanders from opposite nations who hated each other, uh, trying to keep them apart. And and I mean, right out of the gate, I was deployed, and I loved it. I loved, I loved every second of. It. Didn't matter what the mission was. It was just the coolest work in the world because the NCOs were so damn cool. Yeah, so talk about let's just talk about what a Green Beret is. Yeah, let's, let's back that up, man. Okay, there's, there's yeah. a separation between all of us. That's for a reason. We do things for and we're so similar, but we're different. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and, and that's what I try to tell people all the time is like they'll they'll say, Who's the best? And I'm like, you can't even have that conversation because yeah. every single special operations unit has um they're a charter, right? That they yeah, do charter, better, yeah, they do right. better than anybody else. And 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 you know, Green Berets. Um, are their, their specialty and has been really since the OSS and World War II has been to work by, with, and through indigenous people and help them stand up on their own. Um, the, the, you know, I tell young people when they're trying to like sort out the different things, I try to use avatars or characters they might understand. I'm like, okay, to, to be a modern day Green Beret, you need to be a, a, a cross of like John Wick, um, oh, yeah. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, and the, and the Verizon guy. Yeah. you know, or, or the sprint guy, whatever it is. In other words, you, you got to be a relationship-based connector. You, you have to have that surgical lethality, but that is not what you lead with. What you lead with are old school interpersonal skills to build relationships and social capital and go in with 12 and come out with 12,000. Yeah. Think of the best dudes you had in high school. Uh, if you walked into the party and everyone's having a good time and they got along with everybody, could calm people down when there was a fight fixing to break out start a fight if they needed to start a fight somewhere between two people it, usually just the overall everyone knew who they who they were or they could go into any any kind of realm where yeah. the athletes the nerds the freaking people who hated people all that that that's what they do so if you had those the the, the best guys around in an ideal world that's what they that's what they do how do you describe the seals to people that that like have one vision of them that maybe isn't correct. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you describe the SEALs? So the most important thing with our acronym is the S on the end, the specialist. So from Sierra and land, imagine you got a fraternity, take one guy from each walk of life, every one of our guys and put them in one fraternity and trap them at, at from 18 to 24 years old. That's what happens to us when we get in there. Right. And the difference between us is the water. I was like, we like to play in the water. Yeah, and the same thing with the Green Berets and and, uh, and the Seals. I was like, we, we can do the mission that everyone else does, but then we get to ride it up in a cool way. Like, we'll, we'll As soon as he started laughing, I know he knows exactly what I'm talking about. I was like, hey, man, and that's the best part. I mean, yeah. it's almost as if they set up that gauntlet for us to go through just to, so they can spot us, right? Isolate us <laughs> out. Because when you put us together, we're going to do it. We're going to get it done anyways. I Absolutely. mean, we just make it into something. Yeah. We'll turn yeah. something into or nothing into something. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've always wanted to tell you this, man. We've never met you and I've never met in person. But I was in um, I was in southern Afghanistan when you were in the East 
and and when that mission went down and i just i just want you to know that um every green beret in southern afghanistan um was breaking down and and um and and praying for you guys every second of the day man and you just need to know that i know that every person in country tried to get there I, i know you tried to get there I appreciate. It. I know you have been cussing me to get me out of there. <laughs> I know that. I even said that to the guys when they got me. I was like, "You can say I can. You can say it out loud." I know you were cussing me because I'd have been. I'd have talked more crap about you trying to get in here and get you out of here just because I, I'm a Green Beret bastard. I mean, I'm, I'm half of me is trained in, with the army, man. So I had the best when they got in there, and I still talk to them. Yeah, I'm still yeah. with them. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't get rid of y'all if y'all tried, man. Yeah, bro. Well, you know, the cool thing, too, was when for most of I don't know about your experience, but in the post 9-11 world. So, you know, after 9-11 working in, in primarily in Afghanistan, the interoperability at the tactical level between SEALs and SF dudes and PJs and TACPs. And I mean, I'm probably throwing a bunch of acronyms around, but it, I just was I was kind of in awe of it, man. I mean, by the end of the you know, by midway through the war, we got really good. That? At being inter- interoperable and working together. And I, I just think um, it was probably the best we've ever the most been. fun. That probably won't ever happen again. I, I won't agree. let us do that again. I, I, I was talking about this yesterday, bro, to a guy that he, about three to four, you know, was it three months in, four months in? We got to do the damn evals. They make us break down. We're like, oh, you guys yeah. got to do some military paperwork. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there trying to write out this guy's evaluation, write him up for some stuff. I was like, hey, man, uh, what's your rank? I don't even know what you're <laughs> rated. What do you do? He goes, well, I'm in the Air Force. Some of this. I was like, you're not even a damn SEAL. I was like, I thought you were a Navy SEAL, man. Because we don't wear tags or tabs. Yeah. Or there. It looks like a freaking gypsy camp. And yeah. I mean, it makes sense, though, because if you really, when we started thinking about it, you break it down, like the guys I started really getting along with and laughing out loud about, they, they weren't in the same family as me. They were a different family. And yeah. we didn't know it. Yeah, for sure, man. So how long were you sure. in? I, I was in almost 23 years and about 18 of that was in special forces. Um, yeah, it was a good ride. It was a good ride. I loved every, I loved every second. And, and I, um, you know, I retired, um, in 2013, just because I didn't like the way things were going in Afghanistan. And frankly, I felt like the, 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 the leadership at the senior levels was, was so careerist and zero defect. I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore, but I loved the regiment. And I loved the missions and I loved the men, you know, and I, and that, that's never, it was, it was better than I dreamed it would be. And that's a hell of a thing to be able to say, um, you know, when you're 55. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it gets harder for me now. People are, Hey, you miss it. And when I first got, I was like, nah, you know, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. And then now like I can taste it. Yeah. Like, I miss uh, the dudes, the dudes, the stories and the work. Mon- yeah. Hate Mondays to get into SF. Because whatever happened over the weekend, when they come into the team room, you're like, just, just let me hear it. I just yeah, want to know what you got into. Yeah. It's amazing what they'll get into. Yeah. And there's the, the barrage of guys from the 18 to the to our senior guys, which you think an old man is 30 something years old. You think they're yeah, about yeah. to die. They're so old when they're yeah. 30. Yeah. If, if you if you're unsure about what you want to do when you get out of high school or you want to go to college, you're like, man, join the military. I agree. Join the military. 100 percent. So any pinnacle moment in your 23 years that you still think about today that like changed the course of your life? You know, I would say um, the, the, the pinnacle moment for me, actually, there were a lot of pivotal moments, but the, you know, the, the pinnacle moment for me came 
uh, as I look back on my life, actually just a couple of years ago during the Afghanistan collapse, uh, after I had already retired, um, and been out for almost 10 years, you know, I was, um, um, I'm a professional storyteller and, and I te- basically what I do is I teach the interpersonal skills that Green Berets specialize. And I teach that uh, in corporate America and I right. teach it as a leadership trait. But I was doing that and performing that play about the war that we had talked about with our nonprofit when Afghanistan collapsed. And one of my best buddies who was an Afghan commando reached out to me. And, um, you know, Marcus, you can appreciate this, like was in severe duress, man. I mean, was was on the run was hiding in his uncle's house like Anne Frank. And, you know, it was August, you know, this was August 15th at this point when the, the whole country had collapsed. And and he was like, hey, sir, you know, um, I, I never, you know, I never worried about dying in this war, but I just never figured I would die alone. And it just, man, it just floored me. And, it, you know, I had not wanted to get involved in any of that crap after I'd retired, but he was, this was a guy that got shot through the face doing village stability operations with green berets because he turned to warn them of an ambush. Like he, you know, his name was Nizam, just the most amazing young man. And um, that just, I could not stomach the thought that our government was going to leave, you know, our allies of 20 years that we had fought alongside and I'm Uh, sitting here because of them. And, and, and so, you know, that for me was a pivotal moment in, in deciding, you know what, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do something. And we, we created this group called task force pineapple. And we just started, um, moving them out through relationships and cell phones. Y'all, y'all came online I, and I got worried about that. I started, I got the biggest grin on my face. I was, you know, you're reliving every movie we watched. I was yeah. like going back in there and now you can fight. That's the best thing. I mean, that movie, yeah. now we're trained. Well, you know, Tim Kennedy and those guys, they went on the ground Marcus, but we actually, you know, here was my, here was my thought process and I want to get your, your thoughts on it. But at, at the time there was, you know, I just thought, look, I'm 55 years old, man. I'm not exactly the, 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 the number one draft pick for hostage rescue or, you know, so, so our perspective was, we know who these guys are, you know, the guys that uh, that are on the watch on the perimeter are mostly young Marines, young paratroopers. They don't have a lot of time in Afghanistan. They're not going to be able to separate a commando or an Afghan special forces guy from someone that's just trying to get out. That's a taxi driver. You know, I said, but we know, like we know who these guys are. We have the bona fides. We can actually move these guys using our cell phones and our relationships. And that's what we did. We were, it was, it was a true kind of digital Dunkirk kind of thing, but it was astounding to see the number of veterans that I hadn't talked to in years, SF guys, SEALs, uh, Jay Redman, uh, Dan O'Shea. I mean, some really great dudes that came in there and just, we just used our relationships and our cell phones and started presenting these guys and their families responsibly to the men and women that were standing watch on those walls and getting them pulled through. Yeah. That's awesome. I've been breaking it down lately to some of the guys. Hey, you need to understand when we went into selection and we got in, and we fought in the war. That was our training. That was your entry into being a veteran. Now it's cool. Now this is where the fun starts. And it's almost as if the, the wars we were, when we were fighting them, when the government was in there, they had the rule, they had a chain around our neck. And when y'all went in there, when y'all expressed in there like that, and y'all dropped down, like that was gone. And when you yeah. see somebody who's been in there, because it's the difference is we spent time there. Yeah. Exactly. Like we learned the neighborhoods. Exactly. We learned the culture and how things were. It's like living here and moving into the city and figuring out where the gangs are, what neighborhood you can go into, who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, who the tough guy is, you know, who's got the loud mouth, all that. We learned yeah. all of that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and it really, the biggest lesson I learned out of all of that, well, that I relearned, because I was taught this by some really good NCOs when we were working in Colombia, Peru, Afghanistan, and it's this, and I think it's true, not just in SF or the SEALs, but just in life. And, and it's this, is that you, you build trust when risk is low and you leverage it when risk is high. Yeah. You know, and, and that to me is so absent today in everything. You know, no one builds trust just because the relationship's the asset. And what was so cool to see, Marcus, was like guys that had not seen each other in 10 years, like hadn't seen each other, are up on this signal chat room. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, connecting, yeah. connecting with Afghan commandos that they hadn't seen in eight years. Yeah. And 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 these commandos and special forces are moving through open sewage canals past Taliban checkpoints where they're getting the hell beat out of them. And they're talking to their partner, an SF guy that they had served with 10 years ago going, Hey, sir, they're beating my wife and kids right now. Are you sure this is what I need to do? And, and, the, and the SF guy, you know, tears rolling down his face in his living room with his kids sitting there going, brother, I 10 more feet, man, 10 more feet around that corner. I know it's just terrible. Please trust me. I need you to keep going. Like, where do you, you know, what if we all trusted each other like that in the United States, man? Like, what if that kind of trust? Existed? We do. Yeah, 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 for sure. But <laughs> what if neighbor, what if neighbors yeah. trusted each other that way, the way they used to, you know, and it's just uh, like, you're supposed to. Yeah. like you're supposed to. Absolutely. So y'all were able to get everybody out that you wanted? No, I wish I wish I could tell you that we were. I mean, we we got somewhere between 750 and 1000 out. You know, Tim Kennedy and those guys got a lot more. There were a ton of volunteer groups doing this. Yeah. And, you know, we weren't doing anything that other groups weren't weren't doing. But but we got between 750, 1,000 out. But I will tell you, just in the Afghan special operations community alone, there were 30,000 commandos, special air wing and special forces, Koskatehas and NMRG left behind. 30,000, you know, to be hunted, killed, made to disappear. And for two years now, they've been living you know, like fugitives, like animals. Um, and these were the, these were the most elite forces in that country that we, that Marcus and I trained and, and developed and, and others, you know, advised for years. And they were doing 95% of the fighting in that country. 20 years. And we literally walked away from them. Well, I'm grateful for everything y'all did and what Tim Kennedy and his group did. I mean, all of it is amazing work and God's work. Thank you. Thank you. I I believe the other thing is that this is what I'm seeing too. And I'm curious what y'all think, but you know, I think that it was kind of a shot across the bow, these veterans groups doing this that demonstrated that in a lot of the things we're dealing with today, nobody's coming, you know, nobody's coming. It's, it's just us. And, and it's, you know, I think the veterans represent Oh sure, kind of, kind, kind of the last moral compass of this country, sure. and and uh, and I think we're the that only ones that be... do that. Yeah, I, I think we're just the only ones that do that. Yeah, like I, we're our organization is designed. There's not no colleges, mm-hmm. right? Fraternity. I mean, I, everything. I've done all that. Well, and even the government. There's yeah, all that. But I mean, there's one place you can go where you know I do have your back, or the girl. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. being a veteran. Absolutely. It's almost like all of these kind of high profile veterans that are out and use their voice to be able to do stuff like what you did. It's like we all need our own 
formal group because oh, it's like when shit hits the fan just We're to joking. be able to like send He's a message joking about with the other day i was like hey man if i ever decide what if i unionize vets i was like <laughs> we're in everything so I was like we've been so the most powerful check this thing down here so y'all check this out you know i'm sure you're tracking what's going on in maui right yeah. oh yeah yeah man so, so all I, time we love y'all y'all stay strong yeah god 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 bless you guys man for what strong. you're doing and, and lions I, are I, tough yeah i'm so so they're, they're gonna they're gonna make yeah they are and they're and, and they and they they have such a deep rich connection to the land, land you know uh, that that, that, that the rest of us the, the government's getting in the way of that i'm not gonna say it, i don't know anything but knowing that and yeah. how that works out i've lived there for a while i understand that i can see that happen well, I will tell you um, what's what's happened ever since the Afghanistan collapse. What I've noticed is that these these pre-existing networks of primarily veterans came together around Afghanistan. They've come together around Ukraine, and and now, I mean, we just I got a I got a, a outreach a couple of days ago from a couple of guys who were in Pineapple, but now they live in Hawaii or they have connections to Hawaii, and they said, "Hey, can we do a Pineapple version?" You know, in the signal room of of what happened you know, but for Maui. And, and so we called it task force Lahaina and it, nice. it is unreal what that group is doing right now. And I'm, I can't claim any of it any more than I could with pineapple. Like it's, these are these amazing veterans yeah, and connectors great. that are just jumping in there and they're leveraging pre-existing relationships yeah. to get shit done. And it's just the coolest thing to see. That is it's, the coolest thing. It that, that, and my father says, I'm sorry. My father always said that growing up. He said, hey, make a friend over money anytime, anywhere you can, because it'll show back up. Every time. And that's what you're talking about right there. When all bets are off and everything, those relationships, that's your currency. Social it's, capital, baby. The foundation of these men and women are it, is service. 100%. It, it went from service to our, our country to service of just our people. We could put Lahaina back together in six months with the amount of money we ship everywhere else. That well, we all know that. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, we you know, know that. I thought it burnt out, you know, because they're not showing everything either, too. That was no. Well, yeah, that's another thing. And, and I think that's the thing is that we need some help from the media. And yeah. and, and oh, I think hey, other guys, other need to get your heads out of your asses, man, and start doing some real work around here, man. Things are falling apart. Fair enough. It's like the government will spend all the money, but the veterans are the ones who are actually serving the people. So, yeah, yeah, they're a moral compass. I really believe that. Like they, the veterans never lose sight of true north. And you know who else I believe, and I've seen this with our play as we travel the country, is our military families and our families of the fallen. You know, our families of the oh, fallen, and not stars. just not just gold star, but white star families that have that have lost members to suicide. You know, they are so active. In taking care of everybody else, it's it's astounding. Like they've lost so much, yeah. and yet, yet I guess they are out there taking right? care of everybody. When one of ours goes down, the families turn inward and try to help everybody else out. Not to, I mean, out here, it's kind of like when someone dies, they just turn away. They're like, hey, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a it's a true the, national treasure. Tell us about the play. play okay, play. so uh, 
Yeah. So I started working on this play six years ago. I had a really, really bad uh, transition from the military. Um, I lost my purpose. I my think part of it, man. <laughs> it was bad. And I, oh. you know, with, within 18 months, I was standing in my closet holding a pistol and, um, and, and had a few things not happen that day. I wouldn't have come out, but I did. And over time, I got connected to um, an, NF, an ex-NFL guy named Bo that was a storyteller, professional storyteller, actor, playwright. And he trained me in how to use storytelling to heal myself and then how to bridge that civil military gap by telling stories about my guys and the, their service and repurposing their struggles for civilian lessons. And it just it changed my life. It saved my life. And so my wife and I started a nonprofit called The Hero's Journey. And one of the things that Bo talked me into doing was writing a play about the war with an all veteran cast and a military family members in the cast. And it was around one, uh, Marcus, it was around one Green Beret Sergeant named Danny Patton, who's based on three teen daddies that I lost in the war. He's one composite character and he's, he's mortally wounded in the first scene and he's trying to get to Valhalla, but he's stuck between his fire base and his living room and he can't let go. So his buddies who've been killed in combat come down and it's kind of a, it's a wonderful life with body armor. They take him back through his life and, you know, he goes, that's awesome. Right? Yeah, he I goes to selection. That. Yeah. He goes through selection. He goes to the Q course, then nine 11, and then he gets married, has his kid and then deployment after deployment as things start to kind of come off the rails and the audience just goes for that ride. And they follow Danny through this journey until he figures out what he's holding on to and he lets go and he ascends. And, and so that I just had that play in me. I felt like I needed to tell a story like that. It's all based on true stories, not just mine, but other guys that I served with, including SEALs. And it's this just beautifully woven story. And then to complete my midlife crisis, I decided to learn how to act at age 50 and play Danny. And so um, that's and then Gary Sinise saw it right after. Um, the collapse it's on Amazon prime as a low budget movie. We had shelved the play. He saw it and he said, Scott, we need this on tour right now uh, because people are hurting. So we put it back on tour and we're currently touring the country right now. It's called last out elegy of a green beret. How are you booking? Cause we've done something similar. We did something, not a play. The best way to see the country. But we did something called Patriot tour where we I've heard of it. Of course. And we had a panel of speakers. We had so much fun, but literally like it started off with me booking venues. Um, so yeah. is that how y'all do it? Is it? Fair? So we started, we started in 2019 with our little pro- nonprofit, the hero's journey. And we did it just like that. We, we would, we asked people, Hey, would you want to host us in this town? We put 28,000 miles on a U-Haul van. Right. We went to Brandon, Mississippi. We went to Vermilion, South Dakota. We went to Santa Barbara, New York. And we just, so the first year of touring, was basically you want us there we're there we performed it in cafeterias we performed it in high school gymnasiums wherever we didn't care and it was kind of like shakespeare in the park you know but with veterans and then when gary saw it he helped us level it up and we actually got a tour manager and and so we've been on tour it's kind of more of a formal traveling not formal but all of our team members are either veterans or family members as well but it's it's a bit more organized, I would say, like our tour stops and things like that. Yeah. It's a bit more organized. It grows. That's how yeah. it starts. It grows. Yeah, it grows. What? So, what size venues are you booking? Uh, anywhere from we've done. We did Steppenwolf in Chicago is like six hundred people, and then we've done usually it's between three hundred and three fifty. But here's the cool part: we roll into town on a 
Thursday, we do a serving heroes event for first responders and veterans with Gary, and we serve local first responders and veterans. Then we perform the play uh, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. We do a storytelling workshop for local veterans and first responders on Saturday morning. And then we do talkbacks after every show where we sit with the audience, the, the cast does, and we talk about combat. We talk about war. We talk about loss. And the civilians are right there with us in this conversation. And that is the coolest thing, is seeing these old school conversations of shared perspective with Democrats, Republicans, masked, no mask, veterans, civilians, everybody's just talking. And it's and veterans and family members are leading the conversation. And I just sit there with a big grin on my old face and, and just smile at it because it's just, it, it, it's for me, it's by far the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. How are you selling tickets? Well, so we sell tickets through, um, you know, the, the box office and I'll send you guys some of our, if you go to lastoutplay.com, you can see all the stuff we do, lots of video products and stuff, but um, we sell tickets through the box office. We sell them on Gary's website, but it's free for veterans, free for military families, free for first responders. And then, um, you know, all proceeds go to Gary's foundation. And I have to say, Gary Sinise has his foundation has funded this entire tour. Wow. I, I feel like he's kind of earned our generation's Bob Hope. You know, he what I mean? is our Bob Hope. He yeah, is. He our is. Bob have Hope. we have we designated him that yet, though? Well, he. I've told him that, and I, you know, I. No, no, I know we tell him that, but I mean, have we got together and actually done that though? I, I made it official. Should, I think that's a good idea, man. I mean, I, I think I think well, something I think he's earned it. I, I, I don't know. I might. We I, might want to. I get would say. I would say. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say that he is our generation. No, absolutely. I'm just curious as to if we've identified that yet. I think we should. We all say it. Everybody I run into says that. That's where I got that. So as yeah, soon as I you mean, drop I, that yeah, dude's yeah. name, everyone goes straight. He's like, man, he's our bobo. Yeah, we love Gary Sneeze. He's he does so much for the community. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. He uh, thinks the world of you guys. He said to tell you hello. since Forrest Gump. <laughs> he's the one that introduced us. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. So that's awesome that he's funding this because that was our hardest part of Patriot tour. And why we don't do it anymore is we were self-funding the whole tour. And Oh, it, listen, that's, we've that's done that hard. too. <laughs> oh, it, and it cuts deep, doesn't it? It cuts deep. It cuts deep, especially if you, you got to love it. You got to yeah. love doing that job, man. I mean, well, and we, we, that's we it, man. really did love it. And it was really hard for us to charge prices for veterans and stuff and we did give veteran discounts and uh first responder yeah. discounts but we had to be able to make the money just to be able to get out there and do it yeah you know, just and that's what a, a, a yeah a lot of people don't understand is you have to sustain the message like you, right. you 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 have there has to be there has to be you can't just you know goodwill is great how do we we got to get y'all to the play at some point is you know that it ends in, in december in are you going to be in texas at all there is a there's a big, we're going to close in, in Tampa, you know, where I'm from in December, but right now. No, it's not hard at all to get us to Tampa. We, we well, like I'll, I'll get you all the info. I would love for you to come see it in Tampa. And then there's a big push underway right now to bring it to Texas in 2024. I don't know. Yeah. That was the best yeah. part about traveling the country like that and seeing those old theaters. I, I grew up kind of in a theater realm. I, I love that whole genre and how that really. Works. Yeah, we yeah. Think, um theater size of like usually around a thousand to two thousand, and we were doing like, oh wow, we were doing the really old old school 
school. The old ones. Love theater. it. And carved on the inside. Uh, the buckets and everything. I mean, like uh, historic, historic landmarks. Historic landmarks. Uh, theaters. It was really yeah. cool. I loved it, but it was it just cut too deep into the pocketbook. Yeah. No, <laughs> I get it. Those, those old school ones, man, they'll write on the walls. And oh, yeah. In there from all the old yeah. plays. And oh, yeah. That's the best. And we're performing in, like, for example, in the old Franklin Theater in Tennessee this weekend. Oh, um, but, you know, like the cool thing is, you know, we're doing it on the anniversary of the Abbey Gate attack. And what we do before every um, performance, y'all, is we have this one prop uh, called the Wall of Honor. And it's a multi-shelf system. And Danny, you know, my character and his son built this Wall of Honor. And it was based on a, a shelf system that my boys and I had. But on it are just these little trinkets and drawings and and totems that started with the cast members because they're all veterans from their kids. But as we traveled around the country, one gold star mom would come up and say, Hey, would it be okay if I put my son's dog tags on the wall? And then another Marine from Vietnam would say, Hey, I've got my buddy's ring or his picture. Can I put it on the wall? And so it became like this living mausoleum, you know, to service and sacrifice. And now what we do before every show is we go up on the stage and the families of the fallen from that town, come up on the stage and they tell us about their loved one. They tell us the story of their loved one. That's brilliant. Isn't now, that we didn't cool? Do that. Yeah. That's really and, cool. Yeah. That's a good idea. Us, and then they give us a totem of them. It might be a dog tag or a picture. And then we put it on the wall and it travels with us everywhere we go. And then yeah. during the play, actors will pick up one of the totems and hold it or whatever. It's just, it's such a connection to the community. And uh, it has been, Man, it has been really special to to see all these amazing people. And we talked to some old boy the other day. He, he goes around and vi- uh, videos, interviews the World War II guys. You know, we just lost the last Easy Company guy. Really? I, just, yeah. Just one on one. Bill. Yeah, I was. I think it was Bill Garnier. I I, I don't want to say it, but I someone told me he was the last one or the last one passed away. Man, so respect to wow. you. Yeah. For how sure, about that? Man. Yeah. Solid bunch of dudes. I don't even know how many World War II guys we got left. It's not that many, you know, Gary does a great job of, of really honoring those guys and the honor flights, but you know what I'm seeing? Those are great. Those are are great. Yeah, for sure. And as we travel the country right now, I have to say one mad respect to our Vietnam veterans and our Korean war veterans. I mean, I don't, I've always had mad respect for them, but after the way, after, after the way Afghanistan ended, um, Oh dude, ours was terrible. Our favorite movie sucked, man. The ending was terrible. How about that? Yeah. Right. The way they have stood up for us, though, you know, I can't tell you how many Vietnam veterans called me when Afghanistan collapsed. They were like, hey, brother, I just I know what you're going through. You know, just keep your head up. It'll be in the way that these guys stepped up for us, Marcus. When 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 they had been treated so poorly because they didn't want us to be treated like that. I just I can't say enough about the Vietnam generation. Man, those guys are amazing. Uh, We got to do something for them. Favorite thing that the Vietnam there are generation dude. guys do for the current military veterans is the Patriot Guard. Oh. I love yeah, the Patriot Guard. Guard. They're, they're their own gang. How about them freaking guys? Aren't they awesome? I think they are awesome. I mean, the Vietnam guys got it worse, but when they came back, what they oh are God. now, what it molded them into, I mean, like they're protector. Like you just, you know. And Marcus and I had to yeah. be in um, D.C. one year. It was Memorial Day weekend. And we... We didn't know that this was going on, but we happened to be there when all of the bikes drove in or rode in, whatever rolling you say. Thunder, yeah. Rolling thunder. Yeah, rolling thunder to get to the Vietnam Wall. And yeah. 
that was, i love them guys oh so gosh. much man they all have the long hair with the amber colored ray man you know the more dude that they're me awesome that's pure americana them freaking the vietnam guys are pure americana man and to be treated like they were to be oh, treated oh, I like see, they yeah, were. right yeah exactly awful but seeing all those guys if you're ever in dc during memorial day weekend watch out for the guys that come in and go straight to the vietnam wall it is the coolest thing to witness i, I got to see it when i was a young man and i tell you what I, i'll never forget it yeah i'll never forget i love it. being a veteran now you know when we're in it's i mean he and i would argue i mean he well he was an officer so i wouldn't argue but i mean like it goes back and forth I think, the, I think you would, but okay. I, no, I would have, yeah, I, I would have, but, but, but when you get out, all that stuff kind of, kind of melt back together. It's really yeah, cool. Man. It really is. I, I, I've, I've been so, um, just, it's just been so cool, Marcus, to travel the country and meet all these veterans and military families and first responders, by the way, uh, on the road and the way they come out. And, and, um, the, the, the best thing is when we do the play, and after the play, they come up and they're like, whether it was, it doesn't matter if they were Marine, Navy, Air Force, Army, doesn't matter. And they're like, hey, thanks for telling my story up there, man. They they literally locate themselves in it. And and it's so, uh, we got to get you guys to the show. I really think you'd like it. Again? I want to look up. I wanna... It's called Last Out Elegy of a Green Beret. But if you go to lastoutplay.com, there's like like a ton of stuff. There's a documentary on it and all we'll kinds post of your schedule on the on the website. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. Another problem, and I keep bringing up Patriot Tour only because I know that that's oh, no, it's cool. But how do you get the word out? That see, I think we should really talk sometime because we had very similar challenges. Uh-huh. You know, Gary's helped a lot with it. Like he goes on media and talks about the show. He came to San Diego San Diego to see it. You talk about nervous. Yeah. You know, with my am- with my amateur acting butt up there, and I got Lieutenant Dan sitting in the friggin' front row. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, That's what I'm saying, man. Oh. But he was he was so gracious. But he puts the word out a lot, and I will tell you, um, just and this is my message to any veteran out there, any military family member. You know what we did? We just kept telling the story. We yeah. would tell it from every stage. We would we would look for opportunities to get on the news and talk about it. One of the things I think we have to do as veterans is we have to unleash our storytelling power. We have to tell our story, your story, whatever it is you went through. Oh, that's in our freaking culture. It's in our DNA. I don't know why we don't do that. I don't either, man. Like but when you get back, us. everybody clam- we clams up. I got, it's I mean, killing hear, us. Yeah, I don't know what, where, where that comes from. Because, you know, the old warriors, they told their stories around the campfire. That's how you get new warriors. Yep, and I know right. that we talk to each other. Yeah, I get that. I've had people say, you know, he never told me any stories. He never talked about it. I was like, I just didn't talk to you about it. Trust me, he he's yeah. got somebody. But the opening up to the civilian part is like they want to hear that, yeah. and, and they need to hear it. They yeah, need yeah, to well, hear thank it. You. Yeah, they need to hear it. Yeah, it yeah. does. That. Just think, God I mean, put you out there to get that story so you can come back and tell that person, regardless if you think this is important or not. It is. It helps them. Just I mean, your 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 story and the story of your teammates, man. I mean, has has changed lives. It saved lives. It has. It has created a, a, a macro level understanding of service and sacrifice and brotherhood that came from storytelling, man. And you having the courage to tell it. And, and I think if anything, it serves as an example to, to the rest of us is like the, the country more than ever needs the stories of our veterans and military family members. Yeah. They need them because we don't because that shows what right looks like. And if we don't do it, we're cheating the country, in my opinion. 
Well, and it's much better taking your kids to see that than to go see some half naked person perform oh, a stage that's so true. Up and down, so. You know what? You know what? Um, they they parents will ask me, hey, um, should is this is this show kid friendly? And I'll say, we say the F word over 200 times. But here's the thing. Do your kids play Fortnite? Yeah. And they'll say yes. Yeah. And I'll say, then the show is just fine. Yeah. yeah. Have they been because, to a Taylor Swift concert or yeah. anything? Well, you know, you know, the video game Fortnite, you kill somebody and then you do a cool dance on their body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you got four-year-olds playing that. Oh, they can talk right. smack on there too. Oh, yeah. So I, mean, I pulled up the schedule. No one can talk more smack than a 10-year-old Fortnite player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they're, they're brilliant. So this weekend, you're going to be in Franklin, Tennessee at the Franklin Theater. Yeah. And September 22nd, 23rd, you're going to be in Milwaukee. Yep. I loved Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I'm going to. We had. Man, that's a little a hidden gem up there. Great. Yeah, it is. What is it about that place, man? We had a great, great show. Time. Great show. Yeah. Great people. That's yeah, I never heard anything about Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Is that where we got stuck, though? No, what? we did get stuck there. But that's where we... Yeah, but it was okay, though. I liked it. It's a good place to get stuck. Lobby. The uh, doors hadn't opened yet, but we were in the lobby doing something. Goggins was stretching. I will never forget this. It's like... You'll never forget Goggins stretching? No. You... will <laughs> never forget that either. <laughs> you, you were walking around, and this little kid had his hands trying to peek into the windows from the outside and he yeah. had a little like a one of our t-shirts or something and you put your hands up on his oh, on the that. window and someone took a picture of it and it was oh that's thing. so cool and we ended up bringing that kid in and gave him tickets to go backstage to hang out with all the guys yeah. but yeah. i thought that was such a cool moment that your hands up against the kids do you remember that? I do, yeah. I do remember, I remember that, that too. Yeah. yeah. But Hunter was a awesome. kid. <laughs> I remember that theater too. Yeah. But Milwaukee was a really neat town. I had never been there before. Such cool people. Yeah. Very cool. Such people. cool people. Yeah. We're going to be in the Skylight Theater there. It's just a, it's a wonderful place. Reliable. That's what they say about the people up there in that belt. Yeah. Reliable. Yeah. And then October 20th and 21st, you're in Topeka, Kansas. Yeah. Yep. Um, the Topeka Performing Arts Center. So if you're listening and you're in one of those towns, yes, are you still writing? I am. Yeah, I wrote I wrote the on, on the Pineapple Express side. I wrote a book called Operation Pineapple Express. And I, and I hope people will read that because it tells the story of what happened in the Afghanistan collapse, I think, in a way that hasn't been told through the eyes. Of the oh, they'll read it. Yeah, yeah, they'll read it. Absolutely. It's, Especially it's, since you went back in and, and yeah. we, they've been able to see it. Remember back yeah. in the day, man, most of our people didn't have access to our information. If it was, it was down at the bottom yeah. part of the ticker. So if you got somebody who actually been in there and said, hey, I mean, our favorite movies when we were growing up were that stuff. Absolutely. The real, man. The real life kind of guys. Yeah. Getting in there and doing yeah. But I'm still writing. Yeah, I'm still writing in, uh, I, you know, nonfiction and fiction. And mostly, though, I'm, I'm speaking from the stage and, and doing this play. This play is it has my heart. And, and uh, one thing to I'll just say our final performance is not part of the Gary Sinise Foundation. We're doing it. That's for our nonprofit to just bring the play home is December 6 and 7 in Tampa. Okay. Um, that'll be our final performance. Where is it at in Tampa? At the new Tampa theater. And we'll have on that same link at uh, lastoutplay.com. Uh, we'll have that. We'll have that one up pretty soon. Okay. Yeah. 
We'll, yeah, we'll try to make that. that I hope be- you do. And I'll send you the info on it separately. And we'd love to have you guys as our guests and, um, you know, participate in the talk back and meet the cast. It's a, it's a really, and to be up on the stage with us when we honor those families of the fallen, it's really, it's, it's a really special moment. Yeah, of honor everything. That's a good one, man. That you do that. Cause that's in every, that's a Thank show you. in itself in every town. It's a fact that it you have is. to bring them on stage to show everybody is its so own true. show. When you, absolutely yeah that that's squared away bro i never even thought about that yeah well we didn't either you know who thought of it was a, a gold star mom named jenny whose marine son jason uh died in iraq was killed in iraq and we were performing in brandon mississippi at the high school where he went to school mm-hmm. and his his mom sent me a facebook messenger and said would it be okay if i brought jason's dog tag and i was like absolutely so we brought her up on the on the stage because i wanted her to know the show's hits hard and we did this little thing and it turned into, you know, how it is when you're doing that, you find the, the, the real nuggets you find in the, in the execution. Right. And, and that's what, how that happened. I wish I could claim it, but I can't, it was, hey man, you got some people out there, especially in the, that can tell some stories. That's oh. my, when I growing up, when you, I've heard you say that a few times now, and, and it's a thing. And I had an uncle when I would come home, if I saw his truck in the driveway, I just want to sit down and listen to him talk. Absolutely. I care what he was saying. And yeah, man. Those, some of those you find some of them gyms in, the, in those audiences. I bet, man, you just want to hear him talk for hours. My grandpa loved to talk, and he loved Marcus because Marcus would listen to it. So he listen to that dude talk all day. <laughs> well, absolutely, because storytelling more from my elder than I did anywhere. Yeah, just yeah. Storytelling allows us to kind of listen autobiographically. We locate ourselves in the story, and we're actually going for the ride as if we lived it ourselves. And that's why, like the old timers they could tell a story and you actually felt like you lived it with them. My papa could be up in the Appalachians and tell stories about hunting bears and, you know, and running moonshine. And you and honestly papa, felt like you did it with him. Papas tell the best stories. If Absolutely. you're lucky enough to have one that is labeled papa, <laughs> congratulations. Cause That's them it. suckers could tell some stories, man. They wear that baseball cap, got yeah. that white hair. It just kind of sits up on top of their head. You know, it's all perfect. Like, that's so funny is there anything else you want to plug no well look if you uh if anything that i talked about today on the on the like on the nonprofit side and the work scottman.com uh we've got all of our stuff up there our nonprofit work the work we're doing for afghan allies to play um would love for folks to connect there and um i just i'm thrilled to be connected to you guys and you know y'all have you know you all really in my assessment, you opened the door and you showed the rest of the veteran community what right looked like in terms of leadership at home, um, the courage to tell your story, the courage to, you know, to, to, to even when it's hard, it is to repurpose your struggle in the service of others. And, and you guys have been so generous with your scars and, and you keep doing it. And I just think you gave permission to a lot of veterans uh, to, to get out there and lead at home. And I'm one of them. So, um, you know, I'm just honored to be with you guys and, and I can't wait to meet you in person, hug your neck and hopefully we can get you to the play, but just keep doing what you're doing. Cause we need it. Thank you. Well, um, so do, are you on Instagram or any social medias where people can find you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I am, um, it's really Scott man's my handle on all of it or Scott man author. Um, and, uh, again, scottman.com two T's two N's is the easiest place to find just my whole body of work. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your story yeah, with us and coming on. Thank you all yeah. very, very much. I appreciate I'll it. Enjoy God I'll enjoy hanging out and talking, but I mean, there's sometimes, man, when you guys turn it on, when you get out, 
and the roads that you go that are completely different than the the, the world that we inhabited when we ran right and that's just absolutely fascinating. yeah man i appreciate the time yeah and hey i'll send you all just a short little two minute video from one of the the wall things that we did yeah. um and you can see it and maybe share it with your listeners i think they'll really enjoy it if you're okay with it we'll um slide it into the youtube video absolutely yeah we'll put all this stuff yeah. up for you bro awesome awesome all right Have a day man thank, thank you again you. Appreciate it, you guys. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Great job, man. Appreciate Scott for coming down. Uh, and just a reminder, if you do have any guests uh, recommendations, please send them our way. You can go comment somebody on YouTube and we'll go take a look and we would love to see who you've got. So with that being said, thank you for listening in. We'll see you next week.